Okay, time for another walk. This is going to be a command performance. Um, my one listener, one and a half listeners, whatever I got, which ain't many. I know that, and I don't care. Because this is a processing time. This is me processing my thoughts. I am walking my butt, and to keep true to form, let me give you the situation. It's July 16th. It's hot. It's 94 degrees already at 8.15 in the morning. Sunny, sun's up, baconous. Situation is, I wanted to go when it was 90 degrees, like an hour ago, but I got into a discussion, right? Which was it was fruitful, it was good, I mean, you know. And uh, I'll get to that in a bit. But I, I just want you to know I'm wearing a wet shirt, okay? So it's so freaking hot out. The dog's gonna die, I forgot to bring him water, but I'm only a couple minutes from home, but this is gonna be a short walk anyway, so. So, um, it's July 16th, like I said, the dew point is 94, 22% humidity, which means the dew point is 51.7 degrees Fahrenheit. When the dew point gets to 55 degrees, and for three days in a row in Arizona, they say, oh, the monsoon season is beginning. The monsoon, which usually people think of monsoons as storms and rain and, you know, thunder and lightning, which, yeah, that's going to happen going to happen probably in the next couple weeks and it's kind of cool but it's freaking hot out okay it's hot it's uncomfortable and uh can or bud saw a lizard there it's pulling me on his leash here i don't know why he wants to chase a lizard when it's 94 out here but anyway anyway so um i have some guidance from my one listener see this is what helps feedback so i go on tangents right so it's annoying that I go on tangents, but I'm walking the dog, and you know, my defense is that I really do this for me because I'm not promoting anything right now. I'm not selling anything. So, okay, so let's talk about, I was instructed, just go explain how this reading the, reading the chapters of Paul in order. And so... I do need to explain that a little bit more, of course, and I'm learning about communication. I gotta slow down sometimes. I am, my jerk behavior comes out in like, I get it, so why don't you get it? I understand it, why don't you get it? You should understand it. <laughs> I just, I'm learning about myself. <laughs> That's my self-awareness. So I'm one of those people who are just like, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I mean, I have some level of intelligence, right? So I'm like, and I'm always learning, you know, and I am coming to the knowledge of the truth. And, um, yeah, don't want to go there, too. That would be a tangent. So, reading the chapters of Paul is how this all started, right? It's like, I was frustrated. I was like, people throw verses at you. Like, oh, hey, you know, 1 Corinthians 8, 12. Eh, 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 eh. Oh, yeah, that's what you need. You need a word from the Lord. First Corinthians. Oh, how about oh man, First Thessalonians five twelve. So the the church basically is a prescription medicine concept is what I call it. And the professionals, they're like, well, they live in that world. They're like doctors, you know. They're like, yeah, I know all the medicine. I know it all. You know, you need fifty milligrams of this and blah blah blah. Prescribe that. And they're pretty much doctors, you know. Just read this that. And I said, no, I had enough of that. Really, I'm done with verse plucking. 
what's the message of the whole damn thing? And I'm sorry for saying damn, but I'm just so frustrated that people get lost in the minutia of the prescription medicines. You know, they go, oh, you need, you need is Philippians 4.8, man. You know, that really ministers to me. And I'm like, again, it's like a magic book. You know, if you step back at 50,000 feet, it's like, so you're treating the Bible like a magic book, really. Oh, no, I'm not that. You know, the Bible says, you know, you shouldn't have uh, uh, sorcerer and magicians. No, no, see, you got, you got to read Exodus 18.5 because, you know, the Lord forbids sorcery, you know. So, so it's, it's <laughs> the, the irony is, dude, you're treating the Bible like a magic book. Like any problem, oh, yeah, just quote a verse, right? And I'm like, really? Did God come to like give us this book so we can use it like a prescription medicine? Now, of course, what? I'm, what am I doing? Like all the defenders are like, oh no, no, that, no, no, that's not what. It, we already when we say Philippians 4:8, and you do that, and uh, yes, I have my mocking voice on, okay? Because it's not because I'm mocking. Maybe I don't know if I'm mocking people or not, okay? But it's my way of saying quoting somebody quoting things that I hear, okay? So it's I just use it for a differentiator, okay? It's differentiating. Yes, I put words in their mouths. Yes, I quote-unquote read their minds. But essentially, this is the attitude that I pick up. They may not say it exactly this way and in that voice, but that is what is communicated, okay? So that was my little aside. And uh, that's what, so if you get pissed off at my mocking, well, I don't consider, I'm not, I don't go, Mike, it's time to mock somebody. No, I'm just, I'm just saying something in someone else, some other voice of my own to give the listener a clue, a cue that this is not what I believe. Okay. All right. So qualifications done, said, and then. so, um, I don't like the plucking. And I'm like, well, let's, what's going on? I like, I mean, Paul says some really cool stuff here, there, pluck, pluck this. But what's, what's the big deal? What's, what's going on with Paul? So I said, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to like, what, 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 when, who, when did he do? What, when did he write the first book? Turns out like First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. And what are, oh, and then Galatians. That's interesting. So his first three books are like First, Second Thessalonians, Galatians. I'm like, well, what, what is this Thessalonians? What, what is this all about? Oh, let's go to Acts. So this kind of evolved. This wasn't. This is something that I've done in practice for almost four years, and it has evolved. It started out with just First Thessalonians and Galatians, and then I said, "Wait, wait a minute. I want to understand where the um, how this all fits together, right?" So then I had to read the Book of Acts. So um, that's what I did. So we got a big doggy here. Morning. You want to sniff him? You gonna let him sniff a little bit? Hey, it's okay. The little 22 pounder won't hurt that big 40 pound dog. All right, guys. You guys are too excited. Okay, we're gonna move you on. All right, all right. Come on, bud. Bud. Come on, bud. It's okay, bud. So 
dog. I don't know what. Here, here's like, is that? Did I do the right thing? I don't know. I said hello, and I let the dog smell. And you know, somebody may say, "Well, that was oh, you're such a terrible dog owner." I don't know. I'm not going to judge myself on it. I did what I did. It's over. Okay. Side. That was an aside. Okay. Stay on track, Mikey. All right. So I said, okay. First Thessalonians, second Thessalonians, Galatians. These are early books. What's going on? So go to Acts. Paul, amazing dude. He's like smart, trained in the Jewish stuff. Pharisee, smart dude. He's killing Christians, dude. He caught later on. He says he's the worst of all sinners, man. So I just there's a sense in the Christian community about performance, living up, doing the right thing, do the Great Commission. Are you doing the Great Commission? Do you have five people that you know that are far from God? Are you praying for them every day? Come on, come on. And I'm like, no, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be, can't be the way, Jesus didn't come for this, did he? Did he? Is he like far away watching these leaders shepherd us and protect us from false teaching and blah, blah, blah? No, he came to give us life, right? Let's look at some of the, the passages that talk about life and living. And, you know, you, he tells the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have life. But it's him. It's him. What? So let's think about what, who is this guy? Who's Jesus? And then that also, that also changes things. I think some people have a vision of Jesus that's like, whoa. whoa. I mean, you, I know you said the word Jesus, but is that really the guy? Is that really how he thinks? So um, this has been a four-year journey developed. So it's not simply, so I, I said all that because it's not simply anymore it's not anymore simply reading the letters of Paul in chronological order. It's a little more complex than that. So I've got 150 chapters. I actually start with John chapter 21. So it's not even start. The whole thing doesn't even start with Paul. It starts with John chapter 21. And the reason I do that is because, I mean, the most there's, there's like a billion people on the planet, two billion that are call themselves Christians, right? So if you call yourself a Christian, you probably know who Jesus was. I mean, right? Is that, I can't believe that's a, anyone would think that that is a crazy assumption, right? So two billion people, we call ourselves Christians. So we know who Jesus is. We know that he died on the cross. We know that he rose from the dead. We know that, right? Now you get your obscure goofball seminary professor who's full of knowledge and he's smart and stuff somewhere you could probably find a dude that goes well i don't really believe jesus rose from the dead i think that's just a myth you know it's like okay dude you think it's a myth fine okay not not here to change your mind okay the majority of the two billion believe that he rose from the dead right now (laughs) and and you go to our uh, i guess it's called institutionalized churches or organized religion, you know, whatever you want to name it. And it's like, they want to shepherd. They take certain verses literally, which uh, I get it. It's inerrant. It's inspired by God. But let's use our minds, people. This dude, the story is God sent his son in the flesh. All right. So God, the God who created this world, look around you, wherever you are, there's a sky. Do you know where that came from? Do you have clouds in the sky? Trees? Where did this stuff go? We didn't, man, did, we didn't make this stuff. Okay. We have life. Take a breath. Ah, we're, whoa, whoa. we basically are artificial intelligence. I know that's a big rave right now. I'm going on a sidetrack for sure. 
We are artificial intelligence. What? We have a body. We live for 80 years. We got a shelf life. We wear out. I mean, most robots don't live that long. In the future, they might they might live 300 years. I don't know. I have a conscious artificial intelligence, man. So, anyway, I I don't know what's gonna. I, this podcast isn't about the future, AI, whatever. It's about transformation. I need to transform. I'm an ass. Look, I, my favorite book, not favorite, one of, I guess, shit, I'm qualifying it. One of my favorite books is Don't Let the Jerks Get the Best of You, right? So it's, and then it, it, it sounds like a provocative title, and it kind of is. But basically the guy's a PhD in psychiatry and psychology, and he deals, his population of experience is like pretty, people with pretty tough situations, right? So, you know, and he, he's, he just, he's not, I love the book because the dude is like, well, he sets up a framework of first degree jerks, second degree jerks, and nth degree jerks. So his framework is there's three groups of people in the world. And then there's like the very rare 10% that are nth degree jerks that are just psychopathic, sociopathic, um, evil people that do just awful things, right? So that we that we know that exists, but let's not dwell on those ten percent, right? And then there, there's the ten percent are just awful, awfully good people, amazing saints, selfless, give of themselves. They're the the ten percent that we often have on a radio program that says, "Oh, this person is ministering so well, and they're doing all these great things." And so we hear about the 10%. But most of us live in the 80% world of jerk behavior of various kinds. I'm a jerk. You're not, I'm I'm doing this podcast not because I have it figured out and I want people to be like me. But I want them to consider how can you grow spiritually, which is what does that mean? I mean, to me, it's just like become less of a jerk. Okay, so, and it's hard for me, but going to a Sunday morning sermon isn't cutting it for me. I've been to 2,000 of them. And so many people say, like, well, I'm in all these sermons. I can't remember any of them. Well, yeah, so (laughs) to me, the change suggestion is, guys, stop preaching and telling us what's in the Bible and exegeting the Word. It, it, what is the underlying message of the whole thing? God sent his son, died for us, rose from the dead, and sent his Holy Spirit. And then it, that's where the con- so much controversy comes in, right? Holy Spirit, what, what? what does that mean? What? Oh, I'm a Calvinist. I, I believe that uh, God calls and chooses people. And, uh, well, I'm an, uh, an Arminian or whatever, and I believe you can choose, and I'm going to guilt trip you and tell you about the gospel so hard that you're just going to believe because it's your choice, baby. You know, if you want to keep it walking in sin and, and, uh, and, and being a, a jerk and just like not, you're going to go to hell, man. If you don't change your ways, you're going to hell. So, you know, and so you got those things. And I'm not, I lean Calvinist, right? I don't, I don't study John Calvin. He's a dead dude from the 1500s, right? God is still alive. He said some good things. Let's figure out what he said and take the good stuff 
And let's not crucify him for any stupid stuff he did. Well, <laughs> it certainly makes sense that God is greater than we are. We're broken people. What's the message of the Bible? We're broken. We're not, and broken is like, you know, a word that gets tossed around a lot too. So what do we do with the brokenness? I'm, I'm just saying, look, every, it's July 16th. I got stuff to do today. I'm walking my dog. It's hot. And uh, he's not going to do too well, but he's hanging in there. And then I'm going to get home, and then I'm going to have to sit down and do some tactical stuff, strategic stuff. But what is my foundational thing? It's like it's John chapter 21. What is that to you? You follow me. So to me, the, la- the last words of John, which doesn't get praised as much as the last words of Matthew, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It's the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And then they usually forget the, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age part. Because the, the message they give is almost like God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. Again, I'm back to the controversial stuff. I don't know, somehow I went on a side. Sorry, people. It's the Holy Spirit, right? So John records... Peter's restoration, all lovely. Usually the sermon ends there. But as I said the other day, the sermon continues. Or not. <laughs> the message continues. The word. Right, we're supposed to worship the word. The word continues and Peter falls on his face immediately and screws up again. Right? He immediately screws up and Peter doesn't chastise him and go, Dude, do I have to restore you again? No. He just goes, Dude, what's that to you? You follow me. He's like, comparing himself like what's going to happen to John what's going to happen to the 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 disciple whom Jesus loved you know I'm just Peter and I know you don't love me like you love <laughs> love John anyway so Jesus kind of smacks him around what's that to you you follow me so I got to follow him all right so what does that do for practical living what does that mean to you well, I think we all need some uh, spiritual strength. I think we have, like people say, physically in the United States especially, we have this obesity problem. People have like 35% body fat. There's a lot of obesity, blah, blah, blah. And so the best thing to do probably is go to a gym, get a personal trainer, get some help, how to exercise, how to build muscle. It turns out if you be, build lean muscle, if you can put on just 10 pounds, that's it. Put on 10 pounds of these muscles. So if you weigh 180 pounds, you actually want your scale weight to go up to 190, but those 10 pounds need to be muscle. But the, the trick is, is that actually your weight, your scale weight is going to go down to like 170 because you're going to lose 20 pounds of fat. You're going to put on 10 pounds of muscle and you're going to lose 20 pounds of fat. So uh, most of us think, myself included, scale weight, man. What's, what do you weigh 230? Man, I weighed 230 one time, Two, 238. And then I did this, my wife wanted to do this uh, diet where you get drugged and you don't eat much and cut the carbs and stuff. I got to 208. But that was just taking drugs, starving myself, and it didn't last. I mean, it was like f- six years ago, maybe, seven. And... Um, 
so, you know, you can artificial, and that's almost like going to church on Sunday morning. You, it's like taking the drug. It's getting your injections, starving yourself, you know, and do this. You'll get your scale weight down. Your, scale, your sin scale will go down, maybe. But it's not, it's not a Monday through Sunday thing, man. It's just a Sunday morning thing. And, you know, we go, we listen to a professional talk about the Scripture. May, he may scold us and tell us that, you know, some of you in the audience of 250 or 300, some of you are doing jack for Jesus, right? You know, and that's not a pleasant message to get on a Sunday morning. And it's kind of like <laughs> walking down the street and saying, some of you are 35% body fat. Some are you. It's like fat shaming. So what do you call that? Spiritual shaming. Just stupid stuff. And these guys don't want to hear that because they, they, well, I went to seminary, man. I'm, you know, yeah, that might not be good. I'm not going to apologize for that crap because, you know, just forgive me for saying something stupid, you know. I mean, that, that's the attitude in the professional church. It's probably even worse because they're like, well, no, I, what, why are you asking me about whether that's good or not? Because who are you, you know? And so I've learned, so I, I'm drifting a bit, but hey, this was supposed to be focused on, and I'll get there eventually. This, I'm not pitching right now, but the basic pitch is start in John 21, read it, get it. I'll give you some background. Why is that important? It's you, man. It's you follow him. It's, that's, that's the scripture. That's the great relationship. That, that's where it all starts. And you know that because you had the experience of faith at some point. And hopefully it was, you can look back and go, you know what? That's the spirit of God. Now, so many people, the high percentage of the institutional church probably has people that grew up in families that emphasized church. Maybe they had great families. Maybe they were awesome families. Maybe they just lovey-dovey. Everything was going great for them. You know, they, the guy was a dentist and, you know, then they went on vacations together to Disneyland and it's just wonderful life. And you grow up and then they send you to the Christian college, like Wheaton College and stuff, and you're just surrounded by, quote unquote, the Christian community and things like that. So you go, oh, Wheaton College, you went to Wheaton? Oh, man. You know, going to chapel every week, oh, man. And it's like, we think that, that by going to events, and, and gathering together at events and listening to one dude talk for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and say something significant. It's like junk food, people. It's like getting a Twinkie or a, or a cupcake or something. It's like, oh, yeah, it was good. It's good for 30 minutes. But we got to work out, man. we got to exercise. And, I, and look, I, I'm, I'm over 50, and I'm not... I go to the gym and there's some dudes that are just like huge. Their upper bodies are huge. And my goal was not to get a huge upper body. And uh, my goal was just to keep, you know, put that 10 pounds of lean muscle on. Get discipline. Do something, you know, be healthy. And, and that's what I do with my routine on the Bible. In fact, I shared that with a pastor. I said, you can go into a gym and it's kind of like getting a Bible. It's like, there's 66 machines here. You know, where do I start? You know, and so I needed a personal trainer to say, well, you need to do some bench press, and then you need to do some bicep curls, and then you need to do some dumbbell curls, and then you need to do some uh, closed grip bench to work on your triceps, and then you got to work on your back, you know, and do this to work on your back and do that. And okay, just do four of those things. 
do four, um, four by eights, you know, and do that for a while, and then, you know, maybe do five by fives. And I can go Google later and go, oh, five by five is, you know, well, that's, you know, there's all kinds of people with opinions on the internet about five by five, four by eight. I just got to get in there and do stuff. What are, I just, I'm learning, man. I'm like year one of lifting weights, and I'm an old dude, you know, and, and I'm doing it, and I see spiritual overtones to it. So my recommendation is read through these books. Read through Acts then, get the background, and understand what happened. There's, the Holy Spirit came. Jesus left, and he was like probably glad to leave because Peter still didn't get it in Acts 1. You know, so 50 days after, you know, he saw Jesus resurrected, and it's supposed to be all this empowering vision of, oh, he, well, why is Peter in Acts 2.14 so... So powerful, speaking so powerfully. Well, it was because 50 days earlier he saw the risen Lord. I'm like, no, no, we have, don't skip John chapter 21 and the 50 days that led up to that point. 50 days. What did Jesus do? He said, wait until the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's what happened. That's the thing. Walking in the Spirit, experiencing the Spirit, having confidence. If you have the Holy Spirit and you know what God is directing you and I'm learning because I could use the Holy Spirit to give me better words to speak. I get way ahead of probably what I should be. I should slow down and explain things in a better way. And God can empower me. I'm not I'm not gonna beat myself up right now. I'm sitting here with a dog, dog's in the shade, he's hot, and we still got a ways to go yet. But let's think about the acts, right? So Peter does his thing, then, then John, and then the guys have some events, and then certain things other happen. And then you got Stephen, and then Stephen gets stoned. He gets killed. Saul is there, who later becomes Paul, and that's important to the message, and he's attacking Christians. Then God calls him and, and stops him and says, why are you persecuting me? So God, Jesus is living. You know, 50, 60, 70 days later, his spirit's there. He intervenes in Paul's, Saul's life, and he has a plan for Saul. Paul, we can't, I, can't, I, mean, I can imitate him a bit, but I'm not going to live the life that Paul lives. Just like I may be an interesting guy and I may be saying some interesting stuff, but I'm not asking anyone to follow me. My, I was born in the 60s. I had my life experience. I, I did things that are impossible to do today. Like you can't, there is no job in Germany where you can go build an, the first German aircraft engine since World War II as part of a partnership with BMW and Rolls-Royce. That is not possible. You cannot do that. You might be able to do something similar, but you can't be just like me. I'm not asking you to be like me. I'm sharing, this is my life experience, and I tried to do the right thing. I tried to follow the right thing. I'm in a process. I look back. It's like Soren Kierkegaard, this Danish guy. I think he's Danish in the 1800s, said, life is, is, can only be understood backwards, but must be lived forward. And like, you know, and, and Soren Kierkegaard, that's an interesting comment. It actually makes sense. And I can, I can like deal with that. Now, do we want to criticize him? Do we want to see like, well, what was, you know, well, Soren Kierkegaard really believed that, you know, 12 angels could, could stand on the, the pin of a needle and really only one can. So, Let's just like disregard everything that Soren Kierkegaard ever said. Or did you know Soren Kierkegaard 
like didn't like his mother or something. You know, I mean, this this kind of hyper analyst of the character of people is really frustrating because we know if you go back, what's the message? We're all failed people. This is not in the Bible, but it's my result of studying this way is we all have what I call the black slice. So that's my framework. Imagine a circle with a slice in it, a slice of pie. Could be a big slice, could be a small slice. It's like our jerk behavior if I connected to that framework of first, second, nth degree jerk, right? So you may sense from my tone that I kind of resent frameworks. I'm using them myself in full disclosure. I get it. They're not perfect, okay? So the black slice, that's a result of my reading through the Bible and going, what's the message here? Acts, and then Paul, and then Peter wrote some books. John wrote books, and it was actually only in the last six months to a year out of four, right? I've been doing this for four years that I'm going, that I had that like aha moment with John chapter 21 and John and now John has become very curious to me. So that's why I know my one listener that gave me the feedback. I only got feedback from one person. So, you know, guys, you're stuck with it. But um, guys, you know, there's probably still only one or two people listening. But the, the uh, and this, I'll probably, I may have to redo this. I'm going to redo this message again sometime. Because I'm not focused on the complete process. I'm not in teaching mode. I'm sharing mode. I'm sharing from the heart. So the, um, oh, Bud, first time ever, Bud's going back the other way, I think. Right, Bud? Where are we going to go? Oh, you're just sniffing. I'm confused. So um, Acts, I got John. I get to first, second, third John. Wonderful books, right? And, and so those are like the 150. And I throw James in there, but you got to remember James was absolutely the first chapter or book written in the New Testament. It was like in the 40 ADs, okay? Jewish guy, James, and he writes to Jews who were probably believers, I imagine they're believers, and they were uh, dispersed into um, other places. So he's writing to them. They're under pressure. They're They're under pressure from their fellow Jews who don't like, they're like there's like Paul. Just because Paul stopped killing Christians doesn't mean somebody didn't come in and try to take his place at killing Christians in the Jewish community. So that's the uh, that's the thing. So, um, <laughs> Bud, Bud's really suffering. I don't know how I may have to carry him home, man. I've done it before. Where I have to carry him. That's another good reason why having a dog that's only 22 pounds is good. So he's suffering. Oh, bud. So the 150-day journey is a commitment. And uh, it's a commitment of probably 30 minutes a day. And it could be less. I mean, the first time through it, you know, maybe that maybe it doesn't jump out at you. But the what I want to communicate is let the flow of what God did let it flow think about the people you know it's it's there's different disciples there's Matthew Mark there's John James Peter 
Andrew. They're different disciples. Not all of them wrote stuff. But there's different personality. Even in the books that we have, we have different personalities and different relationships. Uh, Galatians 2.11, early on, as, this, as Paul was bringing the gospel to Gentiles. And since there's only like a half a percent of the population on the planet that's Jewish, there's a good chance that you're a Gentile and you probably just don't identify with that. But we're not part of the Jewish tradition. And, uh, you know, and I, that people could argue with me and say, well, yeah, we're grafted in. Okay, fine, we're grafted in. Uh, you know, and then, then you can read that whenever it comes up. It's usually in Romans where Paul's writing and he's got a heart for his Jewish people because he's been out bringing the gospel message to Gentiles, goes into these distant cities, starts and sees a synagogue, gives them a chance to respond to the gospel message of Christ, Jesus Christ, come in the flesh, Son of God, crucified, risen from the dead, ascended to heaven, sent his Holy Spirit. All that message Paul brings daily or wherever he is, right? And it's recorded for us, okay? But I'm not saying read between the lines, but think about the history and context. So Paul wrote those letters, I think his first one again is probably 1 Thessalonians, to maybe 2 Timothy or Titus at the end. It's probably a 20-year period. And a lot of things happened in 20 years, and he did some cool stuff, and that's where the book of Acts helps form the, the backbone of the whole thing. And um, so even if I'm reading Philippians, I may flip back into Acts and say, okay, well, let me remind myself what was going on. So that's the deal. I had an inter interesting conversation. The reason I'm walking Bud is because my wife and I had a discussion. So she was doing a written devotional, which was, we discussed it, and I'm learning, like, not to attack it. It's, that has been the norm for devotional reading, and that's where somebody puts together a framework, like chapters maybe in a devotional, and say, well, we should, you know, we should praise God, you know? So it's theme-based, right? Oh, yeah, okay, so... But you're being led by somebody who wrote the devotional book. So what I, my emphasis is like, no, I'm not, I'm not teaching you anything. I want... God is alive, and, he, and the Holy Spirit. My message is that there's a Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God. You can read it, and you should do it yourself. You should go lift the weights, like going to a gym. Go exercise. Go do it. And I want you to focus and do it from your own point of reference, your own, your own decision. And you don't do it because some minister tells you to get in the Word. They do say that, like, have you been spending time in the Word? As if it's a big book. You know? What? <laughs> it's, it's kind of a, I'm being critical of the question. Have you spending time in the Word? Because I've heard it so many times in 40 years. And it's like vague, you know? Being vague is the plague. Being specific is terrific. I learned that from somebody else. So I'm telling you to be specific. Read. Just try it. Just 
sit back and say, what is, this, what is the message of all this? I, mean, we, I swear, I t- it, the tendency is, okay, we're going to spend the next five weeks in the, the book of First Timothy, you know, chapter one, blah, 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 blah. Next week, come back for chapter two. Blah, 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 blah. Next week, come back for chapter three. So you're, we're being guided again by somebody who doesn't know you. He doesn't know you. God knows you. And so that's fine. Listen to it. You know, to me, it's like bonus material. Let's start treating Sunday morning messages as a bonus. Okay? Take control. Go work to the, out to the gym. And, and to me, it's like you're in a, in a workout framework. The pastor's the one going to the gym. He, he's the one that's exercising. He, you know, he might say, oh, I spent four hours preparing this message of 30 minutes. Well, wow. Okay, so you were in the gym. You were lifting the weights. So then he comes out and shows us his biceps. He oils up, you know, takes his shirt off, so shows us his abs. Like, woo, look at that bodybuilder, man. He's up there and he's, and, uh, you know, and they would probably take that like, oh, yeah, I am. I'm building the body of Christ here. But no, they're just, they're really building their own body, getting some abs. But I would say that they're missing the point. So if I go with my gym analogy, it's like dudes go there. They love it. They've been going... There's a guy I know who's 65. He's been lifting weights for 40 years. 40 years. And he had a, a Crohn's disease for a while that set him back. And he had to bounce back from Crohn's disease when he was 45. But he's got the habit of working out. Now, you know, he just looks fit. He's lean. It's great. His percent body fat might be 15%. And... That's awesome. Uh, it turns out like the super whoop de doo lifters and bodybuilders are like 4% body fat. So the goal is, to me, the goal isn't to get to 4% body fat. I'm not, it's, that, that takes a huge commitment. I'm just saying, let's, let's get it going. It's, what is God calling me to do? God is not calling me to 4% body fat. But he, he does want me to serve him and, and, uh, encourage the body of Christ so and that's I, I hesitate to say the body of Christ because there's so many the language of churches is just it's become so I don't know what the word is for it it's like there's all these assumptions built into the uh, assumptions built into the language but I just want to encourage people, you're a human being. And more than likely, you're a believer and you have the Spirit of God available to you. Technically, it's probably living in you. But I think a lot of us are, I don't know if it's grieving the Spirit. You know, that's like the biblical term. But I think a lot of us are ignoring the Spirit. Or we're, which probably does grieve the Spirit. So we're definitely like ignoring the Spirit because our leaders are afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. They don't get it. I, you know, it's like, oh, we can't talk about that. Oh yeah, we, you know, let's give a, let's give a token shout out to the Holy Spirit. You know, but who's articulating what that is? 
am I doing it? I'm kind of leading that way. I'm not going to claim that I'm the master of understanding and articulating and communicating how the Holy Spirit works. I don't. That would be presumptuous of me, of course. But I'm saying, go meet God. And, you know, they oh, go meet God. Another one. It's, we throw these things out. It's like, how do you do it? It's like, I'm saying, go to the gym. You got to, you got to, you know, you, like, yeah, I don't know, exercise. If someone says, hey, you know, you got to take care of your body. You know, go take care of your body. Be healthy. Uh, eat right. Nutrition. Oh, well, we probably could use some encouragement on specifically what to do, not vague. And specifically, we need to work out. We need to go to the gym. We need to read. We need to, you know, do that. Now, as my wife, I'll give my wife credit. I have a tendency to think that things are black and white. So you got to do this. I'm backing off. I'm not saying you got to do this. I'm just saying it's beneficial. It's, it's not the only way. And it might be just my personality. I'm a debater that I don't, I don't read canned, what I call canned devotionals, which are basically somebody reading a psalm. So today's was hers, back to hers, was Psalm 13. <clears throat> and the person's like, well, read Psalm 13. And, you know, what, what characteristics of God do you see in here? You know, what, you know, what do you get from David praying? And I said, well, let's just read it, honey. What does it say? And it starts out about, David being fearful and, and unticked off about his enemies and that um, it's like, Lord, you know, you've got you to win these battles because our, your, your enemy, the enemies, are going to rejoice if they defeat the Israelites, you know. And uh, David goes on and on. And at least at the end, he kind of says stuff like, well, I trust in you, Lord. So he's acknowledging that maybe... Maybe God didn't want Israel to win all the battles. Maybe there's a purpose in not winning the battles. And so I read that in the lens of the New Testament, because that's where we're at, folks. I mean, yeah, David, interesting guy. Not perfect, definitely called by God. And I, I, I'm not saying don't read Psalm 13. I'm saying, like, let's put it in perspective, because... Do we really have enemies? I mean, the, the, the tendency is, oh, well, look, you know, David had enemies and I, in 2019, have enemies. We don't really have enemies, I don't think. I mean, individually, whoever you are, if you really think about it, do you really have an enemy? I, I, I mean, I probably used to lean that way just because you get, you get someone preaching on that stuff. You go, oh, yeah, look, David, see in there, word of God. You got all scriptures inspired for God, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness. So David had enemies. So, you know, you God is going to overcome your enemies. And so we sometimes think that our enemies are people. And as we find out later that really there's a evil spiritual forces that are enemies, not people. So that's why we can love everyone always, man. 
Now, some people might be influenced by that enemy. Humans might be. And so we should be careful. But the person themselves, the human, the life, the, the created person in the image of God is not our enemy. So we would, if, if David was living today and he wrote that, you know, some Christian counselor might say, well, you know, David, really, do you really have enemies, David? I mean, I really, I mean, do you really? But it's like, no, the context is David was the king of Israel and they did have armies, countries against them. So he did have enemies. And he thought that God would be disrespected if they lost to one of the enemies. He said something like, oh, they're going to rejoice over, over uh, beating us because we represent you, Lord. So don't you want your reputation to be um, safe by having us win the battles? So I would say, well, I think now with my perspective and what's happened, everything that's happened since that time, that Jesus came, God sent his son. That's, that's the plan, that's the event now. So all those battles that David may or may not have won and all his enemies, they're all gone. They're all gone. So I, I don't like the guided devotional of, you know, what are the characteristics of God? What do you see in these verses that tell you about this and that, and that's 99%. Well, I'm you know making up statistics here again. That's a big portion of what you find in the devotionals. So I th- I think I fairly was fairly calm with my wife. It's it's hard for me to do that. I notice a little bit of maturity in myself by not <laughs> arguing <laughs> with her. And we had and overall, it was a good discussion. I don't think she really gets it yet. Uh, And I'm not trying to replace all those devotional things. I'm just saying there's a better way, folks. You know, it's like going to the gym. So I want to sign you up for a gym membership, man. You got to get a gym membership, get fit. I'm your personal trainer on how to do this stuff. And I'm not lifting the weights. My body... God's calling on me. It's going to play out the way it plays out. You know? But your life is different. Your body, your gifts, your skills. I'm going to say, go bench press. I'm at 150 pounds. That's it. That's all I can do right now. My personal trainer can probably do 250. Maybe 300. I don't know. But he's, you know, but he still can train me on how to do it, and it's up to me. And me, if I do 150 pounds, that's great. That's what I can do, right? So the personal trainer isn't going, you suck, because I can do 250. I can bench 250, and you can only do 150. You suck. <laughs> and, and that's how we grow up in life, comparison and things like that. So it is kind of a paradigm shift to go, all right, well, Let's stop the comparison, guys. Let's, let's walk in the Spirit. So that's where my sola spiritu ambulatio 
the six sola. And, you know, uh, theologian, systematic theology dude, whoever, would probably go, Ward, who the hell are you to name the six sola? You know? You know, because, I mean, come on, Martin Luther, he did the sola scriptura because the Roman Catholic Church was kicking his ass about stuff. So he was like, I know how to read the Bible now in Latin, maybe Greek, Hebrew, I don't know. But you know what? I'm going to write it in frickin' German. I'm going to print it. And we're going to look at the Word and what it says, because what you guys say, you, you shepherds, you, you mediators between me and God that lord it over the people because they can't read, you are making some errors in the way you do things. So, sola scriptura. What does the Bible say? Show me from the Bible, he says. Which is fine. It's great. Perfect for that time. And then they came up with sola fide because Martin Luther felt like, well, the Roman Catholic Church, to control the people, that would put make them feel like they have to do certain things and that they weren't just, quote-unquote, walking in grace and all this stuff in the 1500s. So it's kind of confusing, which, okay, we don't live in the 1500s, but try to put yourself there in context. That's kind of the way it was. I mean, they built beautiful cathedrals in 1100, 1200, all over Europe, France. Catholic Church is strong. They had the Holy Roman Empire, which was the church mixed in with governments and monarchies. And... Uh, so, um, that's Martin Luther. Sola Scriptura, Sola Fide, which is faith alone. And then, what else do we have? Then later on, maybe some other guys said, let's uh, make Sola de Gloria, Sola Christos, which I think they were kind of, <laughs> I'll have to look at those some more. But they added those kind of to fill it out, to make it like five. So they're up to five. Okay. The, the two main ones are Scriptura and Fide. Sola Christus means like only by Christ, which really is kind of lumped in with faith, I think, you know, by faith alone. Faith in what? Well, Christ, right? So, and then Del Gloria, to glorify God. Well, okay, maybe that's a good third one. Fourth one is, I don't know, fifth one, I got to look. But because there's five, there's been five accepted for 500 years. I think the last couple came in the last 300 years or something. But it's time for the six sola. I'm taking on the role of Martin Luther because he's just a guy too. I'm just a guy. I'm taking on the role of Martin. And it's time for the six sola, which is walk in the spirit. So we try to be right about stuff all the time. And uh, to me, it's about love, which is ironic because I was told that I was unloving. But uh, I like to frame it that I'm unloving to the... Just like, just like Martin Luther can be said to be unloving to the Pope <laughs> or the hierarchy. I'm the 2019 Martin Luther, which is unloving to the institutionalized church 
And it's not the people again, it's the system. Okay, so I kind of like, I'm backing off, I'm being kind. It's not the individuals. They just don't get it. They just don't get it. It's about the spirit. They're too afraid to say, to think about, to study how often the events that we have recorded were not by strategic decisions of Paul, strategic decisions of Peter. It's a, it's a, it's a recording of events of the Holy Spirit working through people. That's what it is, but they don't want to frame it that way. The institutionalized church has forever tried to control the scriptures and control people or control their organization and um, do it their way. They're smart, they're endowed. They might even say, well, we have the Holy Spirit that's telling me to um, promote the Great Commission because, you know, Paul didn't really do the Great Commission. Like, it, we really got to go to overseas, which, if you think about it from a scriptural point of view, America is overseas already from the biblical times. So even that's a manipulation. It's like, you can't, why? We're already overseas from Jerusalem, my friends. So, and it's picky about words. I'm being picky about words. So can I be graceful? So they want to go to Africa. They want to go to India. They want to go to China. God's spirit is already there. It's already working. We don't need to send Southeastern Conference Crimson Tide. My, uh, my uh, warm listeners cringing now as I go back to the Southeast Conference in Crimson Tide. Roll Tide, baby. Yeah, those Chinese people can really, it really it's really meaningful to someone in backwater, backwater China, whatever that is, or even frontwater China, or even Beijing, or even the incredibly diverse world that we live in. The message can't be shrunk down to a cultural boundary marker. And all this, all, all my thoughts, I, they're, they're generally correct. I mean, sure, I have a black slice, my, black slice myself, but I got a big white area too. And my white area is pretty strong. So yeah, I got a black slice. So don't follow me, follow the word, follow the Holy Spirit. And since Jesus is the Word, and Jesus is one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, so the Father is the Word, and so is the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery. I can't explain it. It's, that's just what I think. So that was the long version of the process. Then I do it. I read a chapter. And coincidentally today, I start a new cycle. Today I will be in John 21. And now I'll have a big smile because it has my favorite uh, Woody Whiffum. Woody Whiffum, baby. What is that to you? You follow me. Can I keep that in my mindset? Can I give grace to the institutionalized church, which is training pastors to teach us as opposed to coach us or be our personal trainers. So 
Yeah, and there is there's a interesting concept that started a couple years ago. I'm not sure if it's doing well or not. It's called unchurching, which says a lot of similar things to what I feel and what we all feel. We all have a sense that something's not right. So they articulate it and explain it one way and recommend it as the unchurching, which is local communities, which is great. But unfortunately, it really is just another reformation. It's just reforming the uh, people that you meet with. And so you attract, you're going to attract in that, that methodology those who have a strong bent. And I'm susceptible to it, right? So I would be the perfect um, sucker. Right? Not really sucker, but I'd be the perfect member for that kind of organization. But you know what? That's not the answer. The answer is my own transformation. And I don't really need the institutionalized church to do that. And I don't need an unchurched community to do that. I just need to walk in the Holy Spirit. And to some that might sound arrogant, some that might be sound boastful, but it's where I'm at right now. Right now, the Holy Spirit, God, the Word, is saying, Mike, Woody Whiffham, what is that to you? You follow me. So I will do that, and I will put this message out there, and I will offer this viewpoint, this framework not perfect pretty good I think Um, so good that it's worthy of being called the sixth sola it's worthy of Martin Luther it's worthy of being the sixth sola it's worthy of that do I own it? I remember the other day the one listener's like Man, if you own it, Mike, you got to own this thing. Own it. And I'm getting there. I'm starting to own it, man. She's like, you got to own it, Mike. You, you, could, you could just, man, run with this thing. And I'm, I'm getting there, you know. And I'm processing. So that's what this podcast was about. Um, it's, uh, it's not perfect. I got it going. And the person listening and recommending that I do this, she's probably like, pretty close, but you still went on a ton of tangents, Mike. And if I edited it, which she agrees, like if I edit this, I could probably get it down to the 15 key minutes and go from there. So, um, that's that. But thanks for listening. My one or two listeners. There must be a phantom listener out there. I don't know who that is. But um, eventually, this will become more of a promoted site, I guess you'd say. Or more of a dialogue site where I want people.
people to give me input and carry on a dialogue with people and share things and uh, make it more interactive. But right now it's one-way communication, which really all podcasts are. But, I mean, I could bring in guests and I could take questions and try to answer them, but... <laughs> 